Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NFL Week 5 Fantasy Flex on the Action Network Podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs. With me is Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is our director of predictive analytics and one of the top in-season fantasy football rankers for the past half decade. And Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network and a co-host of the Action Network show on Sirius XM Fantasy Radio. Sean, I believe you went to the Rams-Bucks game. Please tell me that you were on the over. Yeah, I actually did hammer the the in game over after a couple of margaritas. I, I saw that the uh, the Buccaneers were ahead, so I just knew it was going to turn into a shootout. It was nice being there pregame to not rely on beat writers, and I got to see Chris Godwin warming up. And I tried to alert people. You know, he looked really good. You know, I have Chris Godwin like ninety percent of my fantasy teams, and I uh, my um, preseason prop bet of uh, hundred to one odds that he'd lead this uh, the league in receiving yards is looking you know alive still. So that that was fun to see. Margarita fueled overs eyes instead of numbers, just based on watching Chris Godwin. I don't know who you are right now, but uh, anyway, <laughs> it's it's good to have you on the show, Chris. How was week four for you? Uh, it was pretty solid. Um, Sean did actually tip me off to the fact that Chris Godwin was looking good, um, which was good because I actually had him, I believe, a spot above Evans. But overall, solid week. I uh, saw saw this game with these two uh, rookie quarterbacks, and, and they were telling me that, that one of them was better than the other, and, and I didn't quite see it that way. So, uh, shouts to Danny Dimes. Uh, in this episode, we are breaking down the players at the top of our rankings. Those, by the way, are available at actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. We are discussing the guys we're high or low on. We're speculating on some props. At the end of the show, we are answering your Twitter fantasy questions. And joining us is Drew Dinkmeyer, a co-founder of dailyroto.com, a millionaire maker winner, host of the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast, and really just a all-around top-tier human being. Drew, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I was uh, I was at that Danny Dimes game as well, uh, the Giants-Redskins game. It was probably the worst football I hope to see all year long. I cannot believe Washington is a professional football team. Every play, there was someone wide open for the Giants or a huge running lane or a penalty. It was just insane. I've never seen defense play that poorly. Uh, quite a terrible game to watch when you're looking for fantasy action. So I had my eyes kind of on the red zone in the suite as well. But uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Before we get into week five, uh, let's talk about one of the things that uh, I think everyone kind of knows you for across the, the industry. And that is the Welly Maker. That is the water project that you've organized for the past couple of years. Uh, you're doing it once again this year. Can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, so the idea was a few years ago, I was really inspired by a speech I heard from Scott Harrison, who founded this company, Charity Water. That's a charity organization that's goal is to eliminate um, drinking water issues around the world. And there's a ton of them where people just don't have access to clean drinking water. It impacts daily life in a substantial way. It takes a lot of time away from uh, women and, and young girls in terms of having to collect water. It also impedes diet and all sorts of disease issues as well. A lot of people dying of like diarrhea and different things that just shouldn't be an issue. And so everybody should have access to clean drinking water. Charity Water is an incredible organization. They have 100% of the donations that go right to the water projects. So I decided to partner with them. And the idea was with the Millionaire Maker or the Fandle Sunday Million, whatever kind of millionaire chaser tournament you're out there playing. Basically, the equivalent of one entry in that is nearly the equivalent 
of giving one single person sustainable clean water for the rest of their lives. So the idea was to inspire people to hopefully give one entry away back to this cause and I would match all the, the donations that come in. We're in year three now. So far we've raised over $40,000 this year. The next match target will be at $45,000 where I'll match another $5,000. Um, I've committed with a silent partner in this to match the first $30,000 in donations altogether. So we've matched the first $20,000 that have come in and we'll keep matching kind of on the way up and it's going to continue throughout the rest of the football season. Fantastic. Uh, everyone be sure to check information on that out. Uh, Dink, where can people... Uh where can they donate? How can they find out more information? Yeah. So if you Google uh, Welly Maker, you'll find the link. Or if you just check out my Twitter, at Drew Dinkmar, it's a pin tweet up there with all the information. All right. Fantastic. Uh, let's get into week five. Drew, the, the players at the top of the rankings for quarterback for us, uh, by the way, again, those rankings, you can find actionnetwork.com slash fantasy. Uh, those players, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, not a surprise there. Uh, all three of us have them in the top three. Are those your top three for this week? Is there anyone else that you would maybe include in that group? No, those guys are right there. The one other guy that we'd include in that group is Carson Wentz. Um, we found historically that implied team totals uh, track really well with quarterback projections on the whole. And Philadelphia has one of the highest implied team totals on the slate, approaching uh, over 29 and approaching 30 early on in this game against the Jets. I think people will be down a little bit on Carson Wentz simply because recency bias and seeing Jordan Howard kind of score all those touchdowns in a primetime game where all your focus and your attention is on one single game. Um, so Carson Wentz is one of those guys that we have kind of knocking on the door of that top three and someone that we think will be pretty undervalued this week. Yeah, I don't want to brag, but uh, out of the three of us, Sean and Rayvon, I am the highest on Carson Wentz. I have him at number four, so you guys need to catch up. Um, you know, that's just me being humble there. By the way, I'm like dead last in the fantasy pros rankings. Contest. <laughs> Probably not, but it, it hasn't gone well for me, so I shouldn't be bragging at all. Uh, Sean, since we all have uh, Mahomes, Jackson, and Watson in the top three, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to talk about it. Drew just mentioned that he's high on Wentz. Who is someone that you are relatively high on entering the week? It'd be Kyle Allen. Right now I have him ranked uh, QB 18. It looks like his ECR um, is QB 22. I think, you know, people are going to kind of sour on him after last week's performance. It was pretty brutal. I mean, he's lost three fumbles last week. So you're going to see that kind of inconsistent uh, production from him. And then, you know, DK's priced him pretty cheap this week, uh, 5,100. You know, people are going to see versus Jacksonville and sort of shy away. But, you know, if, if Ramsey doesn't end up suiting up again this week, I think we could we could fire up Kyle Allen. Um, you know, the Jags, they've allowed 300-yard passing games from uh, Joe Flacco and Marcus Mariota now the past two games. So, you know, I don't think this is a matchup we need to really worry about. And Kyle Allen still has a ton of weapons. So he's a guy I might expect for a bounce back week, uh, week five. Raybon, who are you high on this week? Well, Drew kind of alluded to it, you know, implied team totals uh, track extremely well with quarterback production. That's because quarterbacks are usually responsible for two thirds of a team's offensive touchdowns, uh, give or take. And for me, it's Tom Brady this week. Uh, I have him up there at my number four quarterback. When I do my rankings, I go through each matchup and I kind of look for, you know, what spots receivers kind of have a good spot at with where the running game and I kind of do some little adjustments. I don't know what matchup the Patriots can't exploit in this game. I mean, everywhere you look, they have a plus matchup, whether it's Julian Edelman in a slot, uh, whether it's the, the outside receivers, whether it's the run game with Michelle, um, you know, anybody you look to has a great matchup. Uh, I think this is a smash spot for the Patriots. who are probably getting a little bit undervalued um, because they're coming off two straight games in which they did not cover against the spread. Um, so I even think their implied total might be a little bit uh, underrated. Tom Brady, 51 and 32 against the spread following a uh, failure to cover uh, in the game before, uh, I, just, I just think it's a blow-up spot 
uh, for Brady. And if you look at his numbers too, a little bit deflated by facing the Buffalo Bills. And if you, if you look at his numbers with Josh Gordon in games not against Buffalo, uh, he's averaging 302 passing yards, 8.4 yards per attempt, uh, 1.9 touchdowns, 0.5 interceptions, essentially like the old smash Tom Brady that, that we always knew. Um, if you just take out those two or three games, he faced Buffalo um, since acquiring Gordon. So love Brady this week. All right, a guy I'm relatively high on, Jacoby Brissett. I think it will be ugly, but uh, I think going against Kansas City, uh, a defense I don't really respect all that much. Uh, I think he's going to be forced to have to throw the ball quite a bit. Uh, he obviously has some rushing ability. So I think uh, just through a pass-heavy game script and then running the ball, he has some potential there. So a little bit higher on him than consensus. Drew, uh, who is someone or a couple players that you are down on at the position? Yeah, two guys that we have ranked kind of right around the 15th uh, best quarterback. So, you know, high-end quarterback two, but I think a lot of people will naturally think of them as quarterback ones. One has been very disappointing this year on the whole from a fantasy perspective, and that's Aaron Rodgers, um, who draws a, another difficult matchup in our eyes this week going kind of into Dallas. And then Jameis Winston coming off of this incredible game against the Rams in a tough matchup. We have him projected kind of right around the 15th best quarterback right now in a matchup in New Orleans, a much tougher game environment. New Orleans looks to be really slowing down the games right now in the absence of Breeze and obviously New Orleans defense has played very very well the last few weeks so both Aaron Rodgers and Jameis Winston are guys that I, I think will end up being lower than the market on. Sean I think you are with Drew right there on Jameis Winston what are your thoughts on him? Going into the season my my approach at QB was basically wait till round 10 or later and either target Jameis Winston, Lamar Jackson, or Dak Prescott. So after week one I was just being flooded on Twitter, like, what the hell is wrong with you, Jameis Winston? And I just, I had to write a big article kind of explaining to people, you know, why we targeted Winston later. You know, he's probably going to end up putting top 10, top 12 numbers at the end of the year, but the way he gets there is going to be pretty ugly. So I said, you know, you could just keep him and, you know, roll with the punches. He's going to have his ups and downs. So this is a situation where I think he's, you know, people are going to be overrating him after that that Rams game. Um, he's top five price quarterback on DraftKings. So I'm with, with uh, Drew here, you know, it's a tougher matchup. Um, and with Winston, when whenever he's super high, I like to, you know, fade him a bit. And then when he's down and people, you know, are um, underestimating him. That's when I like to buy low on him. So this week, it's it's part of just you know the the Jameis Winston roller coaster. If if you haven't, you just have to manage your expectations and not over or underreact uh, week to week. So this week, um, I'm just a little bit lower on him. I'm right in line with uh, Dink. I have him at uh, QB 15 right now, where you know most people are treating him as like a QB one for week five. Raybon, who are you down on? Similar kind of guy in terms of the recency bias, uh, because I do agree with you guys on Winston, have him around 15 as well. Uh, Daniel Jones, barely in my top 20 this week. Listen, Dink kind of mentioned it. There was no defense played by the Washington Redskins. We saw the Bucks two straight shootouts for them. This game against the Vikings, totally different type of situation for Daniel Jones. I think this is kind of his uh, rookie wake-up call. If you look at the under uh, per bet labs, 26 15 and one uh, when Mike Zimmer coach teams go on the road. Uh, this will just, just be a, a tough spot for the Giants. I think they come back down to earth. And I mean, even the fact that they only put up 24 on the Washington Redskins and Daniel Jones had more interceptions than touchdowns in that football game is concerning. So as good as Daniel Jones looked uh, in his first two weeks, uh, I think this is the wake up call for him. Uh, fringe top 20 guy. People have him a little bit higher. looks like around 16. So uh, I'm fading him at that spot. 
Yeah. I mean, I should say, I think the difference in, in the rankings between number 14 and number 19, like that's a, a really small difference in terms of kind of points per game that we're projecting. But, uh, you know, within that group, there is still a really wide range of outcomes. So you, you want to try to get it right. The guy I'm relatively down on is Jared Goff, who had, I think, one of the most like empty blow up games I've ever seen last week. And then now we have him, you know, short week playing on Thursday night football, having to travel to Seattle against a division opponent. It's a tough place to play. You know, obviously for, for main slate, he's, he's not on the slate, so you don't have to worry about it. But for, for season long, he's still going to be someone I'm, I'm probably going to stay away from this week. I mean, I was at that game and I wasn't checking the box score throughout. And if you asked me after the game, how many yards Goff threw for it, I would have guessed like 315 or so. Um, <laughs> so I saw that he threw for 517. I was blown away because you're right. It was, it was pretty empty yardage, in my opinion. By the way, everyone should be sure to check out the props tool at Fantasy Labs, which has just been crushing it this year. Sean, what do you have for us? This week, um, back to due to popular demand, I'm bringing back some of these like DK props. You could either take Patrick Mahomes or any two QBs on the main slate, not named uh, Lamar Jackson, um, and whoever has the highest score out of the two wins. So you could pick either side. Um, and just to help, some of the QBs that would be available are like Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Jameis Winston, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott. Tom Brady and Deshaun Watson, those are my QB2 and QB4s. Lamar Jackson, obviously, off the table uh, as my QB3. But, yeah, I think both of those guys have a extremely high ceiling. And we saw what happens last week where, you know, you can have these, these games where Patrick Mahomes, as good as he might play and, and help them win, the touchdown variants can kind of work against you, so. I'm definitely going with the, with the double uh, QB option over Mahomes, and it will be Brady and Watson. For me. I would t- I would take Mahomes here. We've got Mahomes with just an out- outrageous projection compared to the other guys. Uh, we've got Mahomes like six DraftKings points ahead of everybody else. So I would take Mahomes in that instance. I think it's a big bounce back spot. Uh, not often you will see Patrick Mahomes throw for zero touchdowns, especially in a game that Kansas City scores 30-plus points. I think that will recorrect this week, so I'll take Mahomes. I'm going with Watson and Wentz. Um, I, I think both of those guys do have blow-up potential in this spot. So just, just as Drew mentioned, uh, it could be a big bounce-back spot for Mahomes. I think this also could be a big bounce-back spot for Watson, um, who has you know, a, a pretty good matchup and uh, you know, just a slew of really good wide receivers uh, available to him. So, uh, yeah, Watson and Wentz for me. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Let's transition to the running back position. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, all three of us have those guys in our top three. Drew, where are you on your running back rankings? What does your top three look like? We have those three, and then we have Ezekiel Elliott fourth, um, and then a little bit of a gap. So, yeah, those are, those are the top three right there with you guys in that order, McCaffrey, Kamara, Cook. So who is a player this week that you're relatively high on? So I think um, one guy that we'll be really high on is Joe Mixon. Obviously, the Cincinnati offense, again, another offense that really struggled in a primetime spot where you have no other football to watch to pay attention to that Bengals offense. And so I think people might be a little bit disappointed in the, the start of the season after Cincinnati played so well in that opener against Seattle. The offense has really tapered off. I think this is a really good bounce back spot, obviously, against Arizona. Arizona's pretty much gotten everybody healthy throughout the course of the season. Uh, Mixon has had a huge snap and market share of opportunities when the games have been relatively 
competitive, uh, which has not been frequently the last two weeks for Cincinnati. But I think this is a really good bounce back spot for Joe Mixon. All right, Sean, where are you on players that you want? You know, we were kind of low on him going into the season, but I think uh, it's a good buy-low opportunity for David Montgomery. You know, he's had workhorse usage the past couple of games. They've completely phased out Mike Davis. His, his numbers really haven't matched his, uh, you know, usage so far. And, you know, with Chase Daniels, QB, we saw in his two starts last year, he was uh, dinking and dunking it to the running back. Terry Cohen had 19 catches in that two-game span, and that's when um, they actually had Taquan Mazel. Uh, their pass catching back mixed in as well. So, you know, he had four catches during that span. So I think, you know, Montgomery could be a candidate for four to five catches this week. And I think he could, we could bank on him to get 15 to 20 carries going forward. So I think he's a guy just a perfect by low situation. I have him ranked as my running back 15. Um, ECR is closer to running back 20. So, you know, this game's in London. They're favored by five points. So we could see uh, a big game from David Montgomery this week finally. All right, Rayvon, how about you? Uh, I also like a Chicago Bear. I, I do like Montgomery, but I'm more in line with consensus there, uh, or at least our consensus. Uh, but I, I also like Tariq Cohen a lot. That's because it looks like we're going to get Chase Daniel in this game. And uh, in his two starts last season, Matt Nagy extremely kind of game plan specific and, and allowed his players that can you know work after the catch and make life easy on Daniel, you know, really feature those guys in the offense. So you saw Tariq Cohen – in the two games that Daniel started last season, he averaged 11 targets, 9.5 catches, 100 and a half yards, uh, and a half a receiving touchdown. Also got 5.5 uh, rushing attempts. So that's uh, 15 touches per game for Tariq Cohen in, in those two games. And that was compared to about uh, exactly 10 per game in the other, uh, in the other 14 last year. You know, that, that's kind of closer to what he's been at uh, this year as well. So um, like that whole Bears running game and do think that they're not going to really do too much down the football field. If you look at Daniel's uh, career yard per completion, uh, it's in the single digits. So um, I think this is going to be a big Tariq Cohen-Montgomery uh, game. All right, Rayvon, you mentioned earlier that you are high on Tom Brady. I'm high on one of his pass catchers, James White. Uh, even though this should be a game in which the Patriots have positive game script and so you'd anticipate that maybe they run the ball a little bit more, uh, the Redskins are just so incompetent on defense that I think even just a few targets for James White uh, can make a difference. But I think he has a high target floor. And most importantly, he's on team sex as evidenced by the recent birth of his child. So he has that going for him. Drew, who are you relatively low on? So I think we're going to be relatively low on James Conner. We have him kind of outside our running back one status this week, obviously put up that big performance on Monday Night Football. Uh, we'll have to see on the injury report what he comes up with because I did see that they kind of estimated that he might be limited or a mispractice uh, early in the week. So we'll see, we'll see what that ends up looking like. But for us also, we'll have to see what Brandon Williams' availability for Baltimore is because I think a lot of people will be excited after seeing Nick Chubb put up such a huge performance against Baltimore and then see James Conner kind of loosen up things and Jalen Samuels get going against Cincinnati. But uh, we don't particularly see the same level of volume there. Baltimore is a team that has generally held down opponent plays pretty considerably. We expect Baltimore to play from ahead in that game and limit the kind of upside opportunity for James Conner. And I'm not sure how successful that Wildcat stuff that they were using uh, that kind of brought everybody by surprise against a very, very weak and kind of unathletic Cincinnati linebacking core. Not sure how that'll play against Baltimore. So we're probably going to be lower on James Conner than the field. All right, Sean, on the other side of that matchup, you were looking at Mark Ingram. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I just think Mark Ingram was a good sell-high candidate after week three. You know, he had five touchdowns after the first three games. And, you know, this is, you know, sort of a two- to three-back committee um, with Gus Edwards and even Justice Hill getting 20% of snaps uh, last week. And then, you know, if you want to include Lamar Jackson, it's a three- to four-way 
running back committee. Um, I know they run the, to- the ball a ton, but it's just going to make Ingram more inconsistent than I think people uh, realize. Um, so I, I treat him as sort of a mid-range RB2, but you know he's, he's ranked right now um, inside the top 10 in ECR. So he's just a guy I'm lower on due to um, just his week-to-week variance is going to be higher than most people think going forward. Um, he kind of buoyed his value based on his um, early season touchdowns, but I think that's going to regress a bit. Um, I see him more as a, you know, five to seven um, rushing touchdown kind of guy. So, uh, like I said, I'm treating him as an RB2. So, I think there's still a window to sell high, but I think you have to do it. All right, Raybon, you are down on Daniel Jones. You are also down on Wayne Gallman. I should say you are a Giants fan. I think there's some major reverse jinx juju going on right here. (laughs) Like, that's what you're you're going with. But talk to me about Wayne Gallman. I mean, we need to unreverse jinx the actual juju because that game last <laughs> night, yuck. Uh, but listen, you know, I, I've been clowned a lot for, for, for loving the Giants at points on this podcast. Uh, I, I remember saying early in the season, hey, if Andrew Jones is starting, I'm taking him in DFS. Like, he's going to be in my lineups because he can move and he has decent weapons. But this is a game I want no part of with any of these, uh, any of these offensive pieces. If you look at the Minnesota Vikings, their top 10 uh, in pro football focus is run defense grades. Their top 10 – in uh, rush DVOA on defense, and you combine that with the fact that it, they're a, a strong pass defense, and the way Gallman kind of got those opportunities last week, I, I just don't know if they're there um, because, first of all, Daniel Jones is not going to be able to move down the field as much. Um, second of all, you did see John Hilleyman, um, you know, practice squad guy, uh, mix in a little bit much, uh, more, too much for my liking early um, in that game. Uh, so I'm getting some goal line carries. Uh, so you never know exactly how that rotation is going to split out. Um, and then you just have the fact that Minnesota, again, 26-15 and under when coached by Mike Zimmer going on the road. Um, so the touchdown probability is low as well. And I just think we are overrating the Giants a little bit coming off this win against the Redskins uh, and then the shootout win against the Bucks. And you also have the, the, the possibility that if the Giants get down in the game, um, Daniel Jones may be running a lot, and you know if they're if they're by the goal line, he he's liable to kind of run one in or, or do do a, a read option or something like that. So uh, just not a lot to like with Gallman. I have him him as well as a fringe uh, top twenty guy versus last week when I think I had him. Uh, I think it was fifteen. Okay, so I am high on James White. Uh, on the flip side, I'm relatively low on Sony Michelle, although he ostensibly would be the guy who would get a lot of the uh, the carries if things are going well for the Patriots. I think he's just been way too unreliable, and that's even with perfect game script to this point in the year. The, the Patriots haven't trailed for one snap this year, and uh, Michelle has still been pretty inconsistent. I could see this being something like of a Burkhead game as opposed to a Michelle game, so he's someone I'm just wanting to stay away from. Just don't think he's reliable enough. Uh, Sean, give us your prop for the running back position. Dink mentioned him, but I'm going to go with uh, Jalen Samuels. Total passing, rushing, and receiving yards – um, for this week, he, he's a guy where, you know, I had to kind of update my model this week to, to handle, you know, projected passing yards. We saw him uh, in the wildcat formation, the, the way he pitches it to Connor and that counts as passing yards. So I agree with Dink also that I don't know if this is sustainable. So I, I just want to get your guys full take on this. But uh, right now I have the total combined yards at um, over under 60 and a half. Ooh, that's a good line. We have 56 or 56 or 57 combined with 11 passing yards. Nice, nice. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, I'll take under, but very, very slightly. I think the lack of confidence in Rudolph, especially in that game environment where they're kind of playing from ahead and it's pretty evident. Um, I think it'll be really tough to, to have that type of play type be pretty successful going forward. Um, so I'm actually a little bit concerned that our projection might be a little bit aggressive 
Um, so I would, I would go under uh, 60 or 60 and a half. Yeah, I'm going under as well. Um, I have him at 50 rushing and receiving, and I'm, I'm not, you know, projecting him for 11 <laughs> pass yards just off that one game. Um, but I will say this. I'm not uh, – you guys, I think, seem to be a little lower on the Steelers. I am not. Um, Mike Tomlin uh, in his career as a dog, 30, uh, 17, and 1 against the spread. I think I, the fact that they were able to scheme that game plan up for Rudolph, I thought it was a really positive sign. He only missed on four throws all day. Um, they got a lot of their best players involved. They, they used Washington as a decoy all game. Deontay Johnson scored a touchdown. They didn't need Juju. Um, they didn't have a, a tight end, essentially, with, uh, with McDonald out and, and, and Grimble. So they didn't have their two guys that have been there like all preseason. So this is a game that they, they'll play well. But I, I do think that you'll see them kind of switch this, the game plan up. Like they're not just going to do the same exact game plan two weeks in a row. I think that um, – but I think it worked well enough that you can say, okay, you got to respect their ability to kind of do that and they, and by the way they played three of the best teams in the league these first three weeks so I'm not buying on you know Pittsburgh stinks I mean they played New England probably the best team in the league on both sides of the ball uh then they play Seattle and they also played San Francisco the, San Francisco the 3-0 team that is a lot better on defense than I think people realize they played three excellent opponents um Baltimore on the other hand played two a couple of teams you know early in the year that, that weren't very good in, in Miami and Arizona and have come back down to earth so uh, I do think it'll be a solid game for Pitt on offense but not projecting Samuel for double digit pass yards off the one week so going under on the line uh, okay, Rayvon, I hope you're right on the Tomlin as an underdog trend because I just went and bet all my money at uh, points bets based on that trend. So uh, anyway, no, obviously joking there. Um, I'm taking the under on Samuel. Agree with the, the logic there. I, I think that actually is a, a pretty good line, but um, I think it is aggressive in that we've seen this only once. We don't know if they can do it again successfully or if they intend to do it again. Um, so I will, I will take the under there. Up next, we have wide receivers, but first, let's check in with Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSURAM88, a two-time DFS world champion and co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, your Broncos are 0-4. Where are you on the pain scale, keeping in mind that the nightmare of 0-16 is alive and well? I hope the Broncos finish 0-16 so they can draft a quarterback, Bradley Chubb out for the year, so Broncos should go full tank. Uh, I finally had a good week in week four, so excited and uh, ready for week five. For week five, how do you think you are approaching cash games and guaranteed prize pools? So it's an interesting slate with a lot of the really good plays in the later games. Uh, Sunday night, Monday night, there's a lot of really good plays. So on the main slate, uh, there's a couple games I'm targeting, specifically this Arizona-Cincinnati game. Uh, Two teams that have not played well, but should be very fantasy friendly. Both teams passing a ton and uh, really trying to get as many guys from that game in my lineups. At quarterback, uh, who are you looking at? So I think Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson both deserve a lot of attention this week. Uh, I like both of them with the rushing upside, and I think we've seen some really great games from Dak. Uh, Watson had the really good week one and has struggled since. I think they're both really high-ceiling plays. Also, obviously, like Kyler and uh, Andy Dalton. Uh, Those are the quarterbacks I'm initially looking at, but it's not as much of a standout position as we've seen in the past. I do think people will look to chase Daniel as a cheap alternative, which I don't hate. Uh, but I certainly prefer the other four guys as of now. At running back, who has caught your eye? So I'm, I'm going to be buying Joe Mixon and David Johnson heavily this week. I think both guys are really talented players. Joe Mixon specifically just hasn't had a great opportunity. Now, you know, both players get an amazing matchup for the opposing defense, and I think they're just great plays because they're going to be involved in the passing game, and I expect a lot of scoring in that game, like I mentioned before. Obviously, uh, Christian McCaffrey, you want to get him in wherever you can. And uh, with a lot of my builds right now, I do have the money, so I'll be targeting Christian McCaffrey as well. At wide receiver, what are your thoughts? 
So we'll see what happens with the injury to Christian Kirk. I think all the Arizona guys are going to be in play. Definitely buying a Tyler Boyd bounce back game. I'm monitoring John Ross's uh, injury as well. On the other side, I think, you know, if you go to the more expensive uh, receivers, DeAndre Hopkins has underperformed relatively this year. I think this is a good bounce back spot. Uh, I'm going to be high on Amari Cooper as well. And uh, Will Fuller as the tournament play. Uh, I'm just going to keep buying him. It's been painful so far, but uh, a big game is coming. He had a 75-yard TD that was just right there. Uh, just a bad throw by Deshaun Watson. So I will be buying Will Fuller in tournaments. At tight end, who do you like? Oh, tight end stinks this week. Kelsey and Kittle, not on the main slate. Uh, although they haven't performed well, uh, I'm expecting some regression on the positive side for both of them. So on slates where they're available, I'll be buying Kelsey and Kittle. On the main slate, uh, it gets a little trickier. Uh, I think Zach Ertz is going to be popular given he's the kind of the top guy. Austin Hooper is rating well. Uh, he's been very productive all year. Uh, but it's a tricky position. I think you can get contrarian here uh, at the tight end position. And uh, I'm still evaluating. I think Zach Ertz right now, if I had to pick one, would be the guy. Uh, Darren Waller also right there too. You mentioned earlier Arizona and Cincinnati and liking that game quite a bit. Are there any other games that you might be looking to stack that you think could be contrarian? I don't know if it'll be contrarian, but uh, I think this Atlanta-Houston game sets up really, really well. Uh, you know, I didn't mention Julio Jones. Uh, I did mention DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. I think you can go to the secondary pieces. I think you can look to the running backs. Carlos Hyde is an interesting play this week as well. He's rating well in the models. Uh, Devontae Freeman should have some big games. So that's another one that I'm really looking to stack, although – uh, there's a lot of expensive options uh, in that game. All right. That was Peter Jennings with his DFS thoughts for week five. Let's talk about wide receivers. The guys that we have at the top of our rankings, we have Julio, DeAndre Hopkins, and Keenan Allen. Uh, I think there are a number of guys who you know could be viable for top three spots. Uh, Drew, where are you uh, in the rankings? The wide receiver position kind of gets always bunched with the uh, projections uh, at the hole at the top. So those guys are like right there. We have Michael Thomas in that range as well, who's had a huge market share of opportunities early in the season, um, especially with Teddy Bridgewater. It'll be interesting to see if they decide to kind of throw the ball beyond like seven yards down the field because they haven't done too much of that uh, since Bridgewater's taken over. But we have Michael Thomas kind of in that range as well. As obviously Tampa Bay secondary has given up, you know, a ton of passing yardage the last few weeks. Um, in, in the case of the, the Rams game, obviously a lot of unimportant yardage. But in the case of the Giants game, the Giants were able to go kind of up and down the field against Tampa Bay as well. So uh, we, we would add Michael Thomas that mix, so I think is going to be a little bit undervalued in DFS and the consensus. Uh, I'm there with you. Uh, I have Thomas number four in uh, my rankings. Who else are you relatively high on this week? The other guy that I think will be pretty high on is Keyshawn Johnson from Arizona. It'll be really interesting to see how the injury report shakes out for Arizona this week, but obviously they were without Demir Bird last week. They cut Michael Crabtree. Then Christian Kirk kind of gets hurt in game, and you know this is a game that for a lot of, you know, traditional football fans might not be that exciting Arizona and Cincinnati, but I think for DFS players and fantasy players, it is a game that will have a lot of opportunities that Keyshawn Johnson's really affordable. You know, Arizona plays such a high percentage of snaps with three and four wide receivers out there. So even amidst, uh, even if they had a healthy slew of uh, wide receivers available, I think Keyshawn Johnson would be on the field. But I think he really ascends the target ladder now behind Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson with Christian Kirk hurt. All right, Sean, what about you? One guy I just want to throw out there real quick is Robbie Anderson at Philadelphia. If Sam Darnold is under center, I, I like him this week as a GBP play. Um, but the, the guy that I'm focusing on as, you know, like an ultra cheap, he's uh, 3,500 right now is Auden Tate for the Bengals. They're, they're at home against the Cardinals this week. So, you know, people are going to be loading up on the Bengals. Last week, they, they benched Damian Willis. 
um, and Auden Tate replace him in the starting lineup. And as, as we saw last night, you know, the Bengals run three wide over 90% of the play. So he's going to be on the field for most of the game. I think he's he's the big body receiver they're going to target um, in the red zone. So I think he has a ton of potential for a 3,500 player in a game that will be much faster pace. And, um, you know, the, the Bengals should be able to put up uh, points this week um, at home against the Cardinals. So I love Auden Tate as a cheap uh, GPP flyer. Raybon, who do you like this week? Uh, a couple of bigger bodied guys uh, are, are, are popping for me. Um, you know, quickly, I'll just say, you know, both Bucks receivers. Uh, I, I don't respect the, the, the Saints uh, cornerbacks, Marshawn Lattimore or not. So I do think that the Bucks um, have some success through the air uh, this week again. But for me, it's Josh Gordon and Alshon Jeffrey. Mentioned the Redskins defense already. Um, I just don't think that they're going to have uh, any resistance to really any of the matchups that, that the Patriots could potentially exploit. And um, the Patriots, they'll go to their best players when they can. You know, last week uh, I wrote up in our favorite bet section on Action Network that I like the under in that Patriots game because the Bills tend to take away everything down the field. They make you go dink and dunk underneath. The Redskins are not this type of team. They're going to – they're weak um, at, on the perimeter. They're weak in the slot. They're weak at safety. Uh, so, uh, like Gordon to get going uh, this week, have him as a top 25 option after a couple of weeks kind of out, out of that range. Uh, and then Alshon Jeffrey, I also have as a top 25 option. Listen, I know he was hurt last week, uh, still got the touchdown, um, you know, only three catches though, but Carson Wentz um, actually favors Alshon Jeffrey when when, when Carson Wentz is the quarterback, uh, Jeffrey's target share uh, and, and catch share is, is significantly up from when it's, it's, it was Nick Foles there. And that's kind of a, a little bit of an un- overlooked thing um, that, that Wentz really loves to target Jeffrey. And against this Jets defense, I mean, we're all pretty high on Carson Wentz. I think most people have him inside their top five. Uh, I think Alshon going to be a big part of that. And number one receivers are going to eat against the Jets. So I think Sean, if he's in there, he's going to eat. But either way, um, Alshon Jeffrey, in, with this huge implied total, um, has to be one of the best bets uh, at wide receiver uh, for a touchdown this week. A guy I'm relatively high on is Keenan Allen. I have him number one. I think most people have him number two or three. And honestly, I, I might bump him down a little bit as I think about this more and we progress through the week. But I think he's going to get a lot of targets. And one thing he has going in his favor is that although he, um, I imagine, will be shadowed on the outside by Chris Harris, Harris actually hasn't followed guys into the slot this year, which I think is pretty weird in that Harris was an all-pro slot defender just a few years ago. Uh, and it seems like that is, is actually where he's best suited. But uh, if, if Keenan actually can play all of his snaps in the slot without having to go against Harris. I think that is a massive upgrade for him, especially considering the target volume he's going to get. So I'm still on him as the number one receiver. Uh, Drew, I want to talk about Mike Evans with you. So Ray Bond mentioned that he's relatively high on Evans. Uh, Evans right now leads the league in air yards, and he's going against a cornerback in Marshawn Lattimore who has allowed the most receiving yards to opposing receivers. Uh, But he did excellent work last week against Amari Cooper uh, in shadow coverage, played against him almost every snap. What are your thoughts on Evans? Yeah, I think from our perspective, you know, if we're lower on Jameis Winston and the reasons that we're lower on Jameis Winston is we are not projecting quite as many plays as we usually do for Tampa Bay because we're expecting New Orleans to be able to kind of slow that game down with the absence of Drew Brees and kind of leaning on the running game. Conversely, like if if they're not going to be able to run a lot of plays, they're going to have to be highly, highly efficient. I think Chris Godwin has historically been the more efficient wide receiver. So if I was to bet on one of the two between Tampa Bay wide receivers, I'd bet on Godwin before Evans. But these are two guys that for us, since we're lower on Jameis, we're naturally 
actually going to be a little bit lower on the wide receivers as well. We have them more as like solid wide receiver twos this week. I think most people are going to treat them as, you know, very kind of mid or high end kind of wide receiver ones for a lot of their fantasy teams. So we're going to be a little bit lower than the market on the Tampa Bay passing game as a whole. All right, Sean, you are relatively low on Sterling Shepard. Uh, it makes sense in that Golden Tate is returning. So he presumably is going to steal a lot of uh, a lot of snaps, a lot of targets, and we'll also see action in the slot, which is where Sterling Shepard has done his best work. Uh, what are your thoughts with him? Yeah, exactly. This has everything to do with um, Golden Tate's return. Um, and a guy like Sterling Shepard, you know, he's, he's a pretty low touchdown um, dependent receiver. He relies on volume. So, so anytime you can anticipate a hit to his target share, you should, you know, it's going to bump him down. But right now, um, you know, he's priced inside the top 20 receivers. Um, right now, uh, his ECR is wide receiver 24, and I have him closer to wide receiver uh, 32. So, um, yeah, much lower on him than most people. Um, and, you know, I'm projecting Daniel Jones uh, to throw for about 250 yards against the Vikings. So he, they just can't really sustain uh, more than two to three um, guys in the passing game. And, you know, he's Shepard's coming off back-to-back seven reception games, so you're going to have some recency bias. But I think, um, you know, when making pro- projections, um, it's easier to see just how much, um, you know, Tate's target share is going to take away from Shepard. So I'm, I'm pretty low on him this week. All right, Raybon, what about you? A couple of guys, starting with Allen Robinson, I'm a little bit lower on him because – First of all, you have the Chase Daniel likely starting at quarterback. Going up against the Oakland Raiders, a lot of people don't know this, but they usually tend to prioritize taking away uh, a team's top wide receiver. Um, and they've actually done it pretty effectively. Last year, they were number two in DVOA versus number one wide receivers per football outsiders. Uh, and this year, they're actually in the top eight in terms of fewest yards per game allowed to number one wide receiver. So um, not loving A-Rob this week. Uh, a couple other guys, uh, Sammy Watkins, have him uh, at number 11 right now. Just, you know, going up against the, the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, there's a high implied team total, but Watkins does spend a good amount of time in the slot. The Colts, that's a position they can still cover well. You know, they tend to kind of funnel a lot of production to the backs, the tight ends. And I think with their injuries at linebacker and safety, that'll continue to happen. So, I, I mean, obviously you're not – Watkins is not dropping out of wide receiver one status, but um, I think you could see the ball spread around. I think it's a, a big Kelsey blow-up spot. So. Beyond that, it's just John Brown, another guy that um, don't love this week. Low-scoring game, some question marks at quarterback. And uh, I think, you know, Tennessee, Logan Ryan in the slot, giving up a ton of uh, catches, targets per snap. Um, that's where I think the ball is funneled a little bit more to Cole Beasley in this one. And you combine that with the low-scoring game, the, the, the odds that it might stay close. And I don't think it's a blow-up spot for Brown um, this week. I think you kind of see a, another one of these kind of average ho-hum games. All right, one guy I am down on is Stefan Diggs. Uh, he has a great matchup. Uh, so that is really one thing going against the fade call here. But he is in a, uh, an, on a run-heavy team that is going to have a run-heavy game script. Uh, we saw in week one, uh, you know, what they do when they are ahead. They just incessantly run the ball. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Diggs, he might end up with like four targets. I mean, that's like within the range of outcomes for, for him this game. Uh, he could also blow up and have 100 yards and a touchdown. But uh, the inconsistency and the game script and the inclinations of the offensive scheme are just putting me off of digs this week despite the matchup. Uh, Sean, I believe you have a prop on his teammate. Give it to us. Yeah, so I, I want to do uh, Adam Thielen's receiving yards. Um, this is a situation where – you know, it's always good to look at data and film when making projections, but I think there is sort of the human element. And, you know, after the game, he was just slamming 
the Vikings run heavy approach. Um, you know, he had a two reception, six yard game. Um, and he was clearly frustrated with, you know, their run heavy approach. Um, so this is a situation where, you know, I think they might get him more opportunities this week to make him happy. Um, and, you know, at the Giants, it's, it's a good matchup to do so. So curious to hear your guys' thoughts on uh, my over-under right now is 62.5 receiving yards. I mean, I was, I was contrarian for going over Diggs last week, and he obliterated that. I'm going to try to make it two for two and, and go over, even though, you know, I hate taking these overs. I, I did factor that in, Sean, as well. I yeah. think that's a sharp call. Defenses like the Giants, and, you know, this kind of tells you what spot, space the Redskins are in that, that they couldn't um, really do anything against that defense because this has a potential to be a historically bad defense. And defenses like that, um, one thing I think that goes underlooked is that they allow you to get the ball to the players you want to get it to. Like, there's no resistance in, okay, we want to target the, uh, Adam Thielen. He's our number one guy. We can get the ball to him. We can get the ball to, to, to Diggs. We can get the ball to Cook. We don't have to target anyone else. So I think the, 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 the ancillary players suffer a little more in these situations. Um, and, and I'm high on Thielen and Diggs, and, and I have uh, Thielen uh, well over that, uh, that 62-yard that prop. I love the squeaky wheel narratives that we got going here for Thielen, but we were just one week prior from a Stefan Diggs trade request rumor that was floating around out there. So I think this might be a game in general where you just see the Vikings kind of flip the switch a little bit more and choose to be a little bit more pass oriented. As you mentioned, Chris, the, the Giants defensively don't really have a lot of uh, things that they can take away from you. And so I think if you're Minnesota in this spot and you've got kind of this you had this really bad offensive performance kind of on the road against a tough opponent. You've got a lot of uh, players kind of frustrated with their roles in the offense. This seems like a spot where you might naturally facilitate a little bit more of the opportunities just in the passing game in the hole and maybe scale down some of the incredible workload that Dalvin Cook, a player who's had a substantial injury history, uh, has had early in the season. So I'll take the over on Adam Thielen as well. We're projecting him for closer to 70 to 75 yards. Uh, so we think there's some good value on that number from Sean. But I will say this. The, the Minnesota team, that offense and Seattle's offense have been so difficult to project from a macro level because it's so dependent on game flow and situation this year with how they play. Um, I am hoping, though, that they choose to kind of, you know, give the, give the wheel a, a little bit of grease here because both their wide receivers, um, you know, were so dominant the last few years, um, seem like they need a little bit of love and a little bit of attention. I'm going to take the under, Sean. I think this is a pretty good line. I have it around 60. So I'm, I'm pretty close there. Uh, I'll take the under, though. And I should say, like, I can totally see how the, the Vikings go off with, like, 400 yards passing. They, they have the matchup, and there is the squeaky wheel narrative. But Zimmer doesn't strike me as the facilitator type of coach. Like, I, if anything, I could see it being an instance where he, like, doubles down the other way and is like, no, I am the coach. You are the players. You're going to do what I tell you. And we're going to have Alexander Madison have 20 kids. <laughs> yeah. After we give Dalvin Cook 30 carries. So. I think, yeah, maybe like a parent, like Kyle Rudolph hasn't been complaining despite only getting one catch a game. So we're going to give him 10 targets. How about that? Yeah, I got to um, get Irv Smith his <laughs> Well, we all know it will be OBC Johnson with like six for 103 and two and nobody else with anything, including Dalvin Cook, who will have like an empty 18 for 86 or something. Like, yeah, it's, uh, it's too bad that Doxon is on IR because this could be the game. In the- <laughs> Laquan Laquan Treadwell career breakout game. Oh my god! Okay, let's uh, let's talk about the tight ends. We have the big three at the top: Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz. Probably not a surprise, although I would uh, make a case for Mark Andrews uh, being in there. But uh, Dink, where are you on your top three at tight end? 
Yeah, we have those three. Then we have Evan Ingram, and then we have your guy, Mark Andrews, who I like quite a bit um, this week from a DFS perspective as well. He's been on the injury report the last few weeks. It'll be interesting to see how his practice schedule is kind of managed this week. The snaps did come down a little bit last week, but he's not really a, a super snap-dependent player because the way he's utilized is he's usually the number one or number two read for Lamar. I think this is a good opportunity for a bounce-back spot. The price is very different than a lot of the other tight ends, um, so I'll probably have a lot of Mark Andrews this week. And I don't know that our, our fifth ranking on him will be consistent census like substantially different than the field you know maybe people will have Darren Waller or Austin Cooper ahead of him just on some recency stuff but I think uh, I think in general we view him closer to that top tier than we do kind of the next tier down of wide of tight ends yeah dink exactly I'm, I'm right there with you okay uh Sean who are you relatively high on a tight end well, I was going to take a break this week by saying Austin Hooper because next week he faces the Cardinals, so I'm saving him for next week. So I was going to say Tyler Eifert um, and because he faces the Cardinals this week. And last night, you know, on Monday Night Football, I was hoping he would have, you know, a pretty bad game so people would be low on him. And sure enough, he dropped that touchdown. So I think that his ownership will be pretty low this week to, um, you know, warrant spending down $3,300 it looks like on DraftKings. So th this is a matchup where clearly we're not expecting six catches for 60 yards, but you know, I, I am pretty likely to get a touchdown, maybe a double dong this week. Uh, but this, you know, I think most people know now just to load up tight ends uh, against the Cardinals. I think people might pass up on Eifert just based on, you know, season to date, he hasn't looked great, but this is a spot where it's, it's touchdown or bust. And I think uh, at this price, it's willing to take that bet. Okay. Raybon, I see in the outline that you are also on Eifert. What do you think of him and who else do you like? I mean, Eifert, he's slow now. He can't move. And I wouldn't be surprised if he put up 200. Not 200, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went for his, like, lone 100-yard game of the rest of his career because you just can't think about anything but the fact that this team stinks against the tight end and the fact that the Bengals reeling right now, haven't gotten a win yet. Um, Zach Taylor, heavy 11 personnel, which means, yeah – Usama and Sample get a couple snaps here and there, but Eifert's going to be that lone tight end. And they've been blocking with their running back a little more. And I think in this game, um, you know, they didn't have any success throwing to Joe Mixon or Gio Bernard in that last game. I think they're going to go back, you know, let Mixon and Bernard stand in there and block and send Eifert down the field on these linebackers and these safeties. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. But for that Sunday night game, I love both Ebron and Jack Doyle, assuming Doyle is, is okay. Either way, um, the Kansas City Chiefs have been funneling the football uh, in opposing passing games toward the interior. Um, they are allowing a league high 31% uh, of opponent targets uh, to go to the tight end position, 45 total targets, uh, two tight ends through four weeks of the season. Uh, White Hawkinson to kind of get going last week against this team. Unfortunately, he did get the touchdown, but unfortunately he also got broke himself later in the game. So, um, you know, I'm looking for big games from, from those two guys as well. All right, uh, the guy I'm high on, Mark Andrews, really don't need to talk about him. Uh, I don't want to say that he's the number one pass-catching option on the Ravens, but uh, he pretty much is. Tyler Eifert, he's a guy I'm relatively low on. Like, maybe he gets Ooh. into his TJ Hawkinson time machine and uh, can actually put up some numbers. And we should all admit, this is, this is the nut matchup. Like, this is the best spot for him. But if there's one guy who could really underwhelm, it's a guy who isn't moving all that well who is injury prone, is in, I think, one of the worst offenses in the league. I know that the Dolphins are bad, but are we sure that the Bengals aren't, like, 
just as bad. That's yeah. probably a bad take, but I, I don't know. Like this, the Bengals team, I just want like really nothing to do with. And um, I could see Ross and Boyd being the guys who really exploit this team and then Mixon potentially gets going. And like at the end of the game, it's like, oh, what happened to Tyler Eifert? It's like, well, why would you expect a guy who looks like he's 40 years old actually to have production? So I don't know. I understand that it's a great spot for him. I'm just, I'm not on Tyler Eifert. And I say this knowing that he's averaged about half a touchdown per game since like 2003. So this could easily go against me. And as Sean mentioned, it is touchdown or bust for him. But if it's touchdown or bust, like why do I want to bet on some guy to score a touchdown? So that's, that's where I am. Uh, Dink, I believe you're also going against Tyler Eifert. So I will say that there's a couple things to be concerned about. Obviously the matchup, but then John Ross's health. If John Ross isn't available, that could funnel up a little bit of target share that I'd be concerned about as well. In general, I don't think people are going to shy away from the tight end against Arizona narrative after last week's kind of like Twitter debacle between people who were pro Will Disley and people who were against Will Disley. I think people are going to dig in again for an even inferior option in terms of, you know, athleticism. Um, and so I think Tyler Eifert's going to come with ownership once again this week. And I think we'll be lower than him on the field. We were lower than Will Disley on the field. That didn't work out very well. It was very clear that Seattle was targeting him early and often. So it's very clear that around the league, teams are seeing that Arizona can be attacked through the middle of the field with the tight ends. Um, I do think you'll see the backs a little bit more involved in the passing game in this one, just because Arizona's pass rush isn't something that really you have to keep in kind of the extra blockers uh, to worry, to worry about. So I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to be on the right side of this. Uh, eventually, Arizona will stop giving up a touchdown to a tight end, I think. Uh, but, yeah, Tyler Eifert, because, you know, he's basically, uh, you know, moving around out there like Frankenstein. Um, I don't think he's got much potential outside of inside the 20s, and I just would rather bet against that when I think the field is still going to be on it. I'll just say this, though, like, you know, kind of to, to push back on, you know, the Eifert hate that's going down in this, in this, in this pod. Uh, you have to – it's early in the season still. Eifert hasn't played, you know, for a while until now. Yeah. So, we're really only looking at these, like, last four matchups. Yeah. You have the Seattle Seahawks, who are notoriously stout against the tight end. I know they gave up two to, to two touchdowns at McDonald's, but they've been stout against the tight end um, his, going back, um, especially a tight end like Eifert, who is going to find himself kind of walking right into Bobby Wagner on some of his plays. Um and KJ Wright. Then you face the uh, the 49ers, which, you know, more often than not are pretty good against the tight end. Just a really good pass defense this year, I think, is going underrated. Then you also face the Buffalo Bills, who, uh, and I'll talk about this in a moment, but they've been top five in tight end coverage since McDermott took over. They've given up two, I believe it's uh, five catch games since the start of last year to tight ends. Um, and then you face the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, um, you know, they upgraded their, 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 their secondary, secondary with Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, and, you know, they, they gave up some production to Disley. That was before Fitzpatrick, but um, that defense was pretty stingy um, last night as a whole. Like, it wasn't just Eifert who yeah. was getting shut out. Tyra Boyd, um, I had the under uh, six catches at a plus 150 at, and the yardage and surprised that hit um, so cleanly because I, I think he only ended up with two, three catches. So um, this was an all-out effort by, by the, the, the Steeler defense, and I just think that we're kind of underrating Eifert a little bit because he's had kind of these non-ideal matchups, whereas, as you guys mentioned, this is the nut spot. For a tight end. So, like, I'm, I'm, I think in DFS, there's – this is a week where you have Ingram in a, in a, against a tough defense. You have Ertz in a situation where it's a good spot, but Jet, Jets do have some safety play and a weak red corner, and, and it could be a blowout. And you have Waller in a tough matchup against the Bears. Like, all these tight ends, 
they're not quite, you don't feel quite as good about paying up for them. And That's why people are going to play Eifert. That's why Eifert's yeah. going to be like, Eifert's yeah. going to be like 20 but, plus percent owned again. So. Yeah, and I'm not saying play them in tournaments, but like yeah. in a cash game, yeah, you're, yeah. like you're minimizing your kind of loss and maximizing your upside. Because I think we, we won't argue that he probably, his floor is probably zero, but his ceiling is on, at least for this week, on par with those guys that are going to cost like 2K more. So I'd say in a cash game, you do it. And then in a tournament, I do agree with you, Dink. I think he will get substantial ownership. And you got to kind of pivot a little bit, especially if you're like, you know, 100% on him in cash. Sean, give us the tight end prop. Another guy that's coming off a four-game suspension, um, and that's Ben Watson. You know, the Patriots really have, haven't had a tight end presence this year. So curious to hear what you guys have on him. But over under at uh, 27 and a half receiving yards. I can't see how he gets more than like a seven and a half percent target share because I just don't think they kind of get him go like look to like look in this game and just like reinsert him. I think he kind of just takes over, you know, the, the few targets here and there that um that Lacoste and Izzo had been getting. And this matchup is so good for Washington that I think the Patriots are able to get Edelman the ball. They're able to get Gordon the ball. They're, they're able to get White the ball. So I don't think they necessarily need to kind of, you know, put themselves through the misery of targeting like <laughs> your old Ben Watson. Like I take I take the Eifert over Watson probably all day yeah I would go I would go under here as well I'm in the same uh boat as Chris where I'm having a hard time getting him beyond like a 10% market share of targets just because historically you know you can't really compare anything New England has done at the tight end position because they had Rob freaking Gronkowski and now if you look at their skill position players they also have more skill position player depth than I think they had even in those years where they had Rob Gronkowski when you look at the wide receiver depth now with Philip Dorsett playing well Josh Gordon Julian Edelman and obviously the pass catching backs with James White We'll see what Rex Burkhead's status was. It was weird that he didn't play as much last week. It, it looks like he was actually truly injured uh, with a questionable tag, which you don't always get with the Patriots. Um, so I'm, I'm taking a wait-and-see approach with Watson before kind of moving that market share forward, basically have him as a little bit more of a pass uh, receiving option than Lacoste or Izzo. So we don't have him anywhere near kind of the 25 to 27. We have more in the teens. Yeah, Sean, I don't even remember the number that you said, and I'm taking it <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, it was twelve. <laughs> you just lied to me. Hammer it, Friedman. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's get into some start sit questions from Twitter. Sean, this is from Dom. Players to target when trading digs away, and what are your thoughts on Sharks' rest of season outlook? For Diggs, uh, the ideal sell high buy low scenario would be um, trading him away for a guy like Marquise Brown. Towards the end of the season, we're going to be considering Marquise Brown more of a top end wide receiver too. It was really interesting seeing him blow up like, what was it, 15% of snaps early in the season. Um, and now that he's expanded to full-time player, um, he, he's seen some, you know, he's due for some positive regression. So he's a guy that um, I, I'm saying to buy low on. Um, and Shark, I, I'm not sure if that was a trade question. You know, if you want to trade him away, he certainly exceeded expectations currently in the top 10 for the season, but I still view him as a wide receiver three going forward. So if you're just asking if it was a good draft pick at this point, the answer is yes. Um, you probably got him really late and you have a wide receiver three going forward. So not sure what the question was, but um, uh, yeah, if, if you took him, just write him out. He, he should be in your starting lineups going forward. Dink, this is from Len. Is Juju done or are we holding and hoping that Rudolph gets more comfortable and the offense opens up? I don't think there's anything you can do but hold and hope um, at this point. I think if you look at the, w the way that they're attacking offensively, I think it would still make sense that Juju will have opportunities because a lot of the things that they're trying to scheme are things that they have these guys kind of on the move and so you can get yards after the catch. And that's really what Juju's been exceptional at his entire career. But, you know, the volume that I think we all assumed would be there in the absence of Antonio Brown – 
has not. And it's been in the absence of Antonio Brown and Vance McDonald. So that's very, very concerning um, at this point in the season. I know we started with like a target share uh, baseline for him in the high 20s. And now we're down to kind of the mid 20s and looking at maybe even dropping it into the lower mid 20s because the volume just hasn't been there. And so what more can you do with him? He's, he's obviously not going to contend for the wide receiver one overall, which I thought he had that upside coming into the season. I think he still has the chance to post uh, kind of high-end wide receiver two numbers, but we're going to need to see that volume turn, and we're going to need to see Pittsburgh's offense opened up a little bit more. Chris, this is from Chris Haas. Which side do you prefer in this trade? OBJ, Ronald Jones, Melvin Gordon the third, or Cooks, Zeke, and MVS? The, the first side, just because I think that both Cooks and MVS, they're going to have some kind of volatile uh, weeks, whereas I think on the left, uh, those three players will be a little bit more consistent, even with Ronald Jones and, and Melvin Gordon in there. I think they're, they're, they're going to kind of be more consistent as the year uh, progresses and they settle into their roles. Sean, this is from Galper. What type of return should we expect for Juju? Well, I definitely wouldn't be trading, trying to trade him away this week. Uh, the time to sell high on him post Big Ben injury was last week um, after he put up uh, three catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. I think you have to kind of hold right now, um, especially after uh, a game on Monday Night Football where everybody saw um, you know, the, the conservative offense just to put away the Bengals. He could have some big weeks going forward, and that, that's when you should sell high. But if somebody is willing to give you Chris Godwin for him right now, obviously you want to do that. But I just don't think there's a market for him right now. So just, just hold him for now and sell high the next chance you get chris this is from tumornade is Jameis a weekly start or top level streamer in a 14 team league i think he's fringe weekly start in a 14 team league but he's quite volatile because on a week-to-week basis his interception projection is going to be one of the highest on the slate and so it really depends on the matchup for him like if his touched his projected touchdown share um can't kind of negate his projected interceptions in a given week like he could go as high as like top six or seven but as low as like 20 So it's volatile. So I wouldn't say every week starter or even every week streamer. It's still week to week. But um, overall, he nets out to about that QB 14, 15 range. Drew, this is from Galper. Uh, What is your Jalen Samuels rest of season analysis? Yeah, I think I honestly think this next week will tell a lot in terms of if they're trying to still use some of these gadget plays. I was in, I was actually surprised that they didn't get some snaps with him as like an H back or a tight end, given their tight end injuries and given Nick Vanette just kind of coming to the team on Monday night. I was hopeful that would be a way to kind of get him uh, into the backfield. But it's going to be volatile from him. I think he's obviously a very skilled player, and he's a multifaceted player that they can use in a lot of different ways. It'll be interesting to see if they can be creative enough to do so. But I think kind of you know the high-end range of outcomes for uh, Jalen Samuels is going to be like uh, an occasional flex week starter. It's just it's going to be a situation where you're going to have uh, difficulty trusting that offense and trusting his volume in it. Drew, what content should people check out at the rodeo? Yeah, at uh, dailyrodo.com or dailyrodeo.com if you follow Davis Maddock. Uh, you can check out all of our premium stuff over there. And then if you want free analysis, we do a game-by-game breakdown and we have free pods all throughout the week on the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. Drew, thank you so much for joining us. Everyone, be sure to follow him on Twitter at Drew Dinkmeyer. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. That is going to do it for this episode of the Action Network podcast. Check out the rest of our episodes and live shows this week. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, radio.com, or wherever you get your podcast. See you again next episode.